0: welcome to today's episode on type 1 diabetes with nick oliva type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease which occurs when the body's insulin producing beta cells are attacking the body's pancreas and immune system there is research that states that diabetes is often a genetic disease it is often diagnosed early in life but can also be diagnosed in adulthood the full case is unknown as of right now and there is no cure People with type 1 diabetes need daily insulin injections to survive. Some signs of the disease are as follows. Frequent urination, increased thirst, dry mouth, increased appetite, or unexplained weight loss. Serious symptoms may include nausea, vomiting, headaches, dehydration, and exhaustion. If not treated properly, it can be deadly. People with type 1 diabetes are much more vulnerable to other health issues, minor or severe. Chronic high blood sugars increase the chance of complications in life, such as blindness, kidney failure, heart disease, and nerve damage that can lead to amputations. There are many different types of diabetes, such as type 1, there's type 2, as well as gestational. We talked a little bit about type 1 and all the basics already. Type 2 is mostly diagnosed in adults with poor appetite or obesity are the main contributors to being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Now, type 2 diabetes can be reversed and cured through a healthy lifestyle of exercising and eating healthy and keeping control of your blood sugars and diabetes, and eventually it may go away. But the thing is, with type 2 diabetes... These people do not have to be on top of their daily insulin injections as much as type 1 diabetics, whereas type 1 diabetics produce no insulin at all, while type 2 diabetics produce some insulin, but not enough to sustain life. Now, gestational diabetes is diabetes when a woman is pregnant, and in this case, actually, when my mom was pregnant with me, she had gestational diabetes, and then I was born, and three, le- three years later, I was diagnosed with diabetes. So I believe that there is a correlation between the two. I'm here with Ms. Domsky, my modern literature teacher, who also has type 1 diabetes. Hi, Ms. Domsky. How's it going?
1: Hi, Nick. I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks. Well, I'd love to get a a better understanding of your experiences with diabetes, and I have a few questions, if you wouldn't mind.
1: Of course. All
0: right, so my first question is, when were you first diagnosed with type 1 diabetes?
1: August 13th, 1998. I'll never forget that date. Um, I was 21 years old, so I had turned 21 in April of that year, so just Mm -hmm. a few months after that. It was quite the shock.
0: Yeah, that's got it's gotta be life changing, especially at that age. I mean, when you're getting everything together with college and figuring out your life ahead of you, that's gotta to be tough.
1: Exactly, it was. Yeah.
0: And so what were you doing at this point in your life and in college? What were what were your goals?
1: Well, actually at that point in my life I had taken a semester off from college mm-hmm. and was kind of um trying to figure myself out. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I was a little bit lost. Um, so between schools, I was about to restart college at UW Whitewater mm-hmm. in September. So just a couple weeks after diagnosis.
0: Nice. All right, and that, that's got to be that's got to be tough to try to figure out what path you're going to go down and how you're going to handle all the new changes.
1: You bet. Yeah. It
0: was. Um, how did you feel when you were told that you had type one diabetes?
1: Ooh. Um, so when I was diagnosed, I was actually in advanced DKA diabetic ketoacidosis, as you know what that is. Yeah. Aye, um, aye, aye. <laughs> which is, you know, life threatening. Yes, and yes. um my organs had started shutting down. I was I was pretty bad. Um mm-hmm. the doctor said that I was probably about an hour away from dying. So it took them a long time to figure out what was wrong with me. I wasn't at a very good hospital. Yeah. Um, So I was relieved when they first told me what it was um, because I knew a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, of course, when it sunk in later, what having T1D actually means, um, I became depressed. I, um, I was really sad. And I went to a counselor who explained to me that it's actually like going through a grieving process. You're grieving the loss of the life that you had because Mm -hmm. it's been all upended on you. Exactly. Um, Yeah, and I know that you were diagnosed when you were quite young. Yes. So, I mean, do you have memories of that at all, Nick?
0: No, I was diagnosed at the age of three, and I don't remember anything of that day or anything before I was diagnosed and kind of after either like it took I don't know maybe I I remember like a year after I was diagnosed and so on but from age three and four like from age one to four I really don't remember any of it so it was kind of like I just grew up with it even though I wasn't born with it I didn't have those experiences of having a life before diabetes right
1: we have very different experiences in that regard for sure what age were you when you started giving yourself shots
0: um. Obviously, at age three, my mom was taking care of almost everything. My dad was he was uh, focused on working, so it was mostly my mom that was taking care of me. Um, she was giving me all the shots for a few years. I believe I was. It was in elementary school when I started taking charge. I believe it was like um, first first grade when I started giving myself my own shots and learning how to calculate the um, ratio of carbs to insulin and all that stuff. And I remember every day before lunch at an elementary school, I'd go to the nurse and she'd, she'd help me along with the things. She'd teach me how to like, give my shots the right way and like, how to do all the calculations when I was at school. So the nurse was extremely helpful with me um, along with my mom who was working with the nurse. So, but then after elementary school, I'd say maybe fourth, fourth grade um, and then fifth grade was when I started to really take things into my own hands and not really need a nurse as much because I could handle everything and do everything pretty much on my own. And um, fifth grade was actually when I got my insulin pump. I believe it was January of fifth grade. Nice. So, was that
1: life-changing for you? Oh, yes,
0: for sure. It, uh, it eliminated, what, like five or six shots per day to only mm-hmm. um, just a, a needle poke. To insert the insulin pump every three days so it's definitely a lot better than having five shots a day Mm -hmm, so absolutely and with a push of a few buttons you know I can administer my own insulin now and it's always with me I don't got to carry syringes or insulin vials or anything like that
1: I think it's really impressive that you took control of it so young
0: yeah, it was definitely, it was hard for me. I didn't want to really accept it. And going back to where you talked about grieving and the depression having a counselor help you out with it, I've gone through those exact same things. And as a child in elementary and middle school, I've always felt like kind of an outcast and different than everybody else and always had to go to the health office or take care of these situations when other people didn't have any idea kind of what I was going through
1: yeah it really is frustrating at times isn't it this disease yeah. where you're going about your day as normal and you are you know you've got plans with friends or you've got something going on and then of course diabetes puts a wrench in that
0: oh exactly you know, blood I, sugar, yeah high I, blood sugar exactly I had a situation just like that last week I was playing soccer at the fields with some of my friends and my blood sugar went extremely low It just irritated me because I was in the middle of playing and I didn't want to stop. But, you know, I couldn't keep playing or else I would have passed out. So I had to treat my low blood sugar and I had to sit out for a while. So
1: and so growing up, I mean, as you said, you felt outcast, you felt different because of all that. Yeah. Did you do you think that you were putting that on yourself or did people make you feel that way? Were you like treated poorly by people because of diabetes?
0: Um I've had maybe one or two experiences where I was treated poorly because of my diabetes just you know like kids in middle school just you know being mean about it or whatever but mm-hmm. I always kind of had the strength to just like turn the other cheek you know and not say anything back or not you know start anything and just kind of try to ignore it but deep down it still you know it still affected me it still hurt but uh a lot of the times though I would feel like I would put it on myself you know I'd have these feelings of that would just kind of pop out, um, out of my own thoughts. And I'd kind of make assumptions about my own life.
1: I get it. I went through it too.
0: Yeah. So Ms. Domsky is having type one diabetes ever made you feel sad or angry, or upset.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I try not to go through self pity too often, but it like, like you were saying with the soccer, It's frustrating if I want to exercise. It takes careful planning. Like for two hours before I start, I have to watch how much insulin I'm taking and what I'm eating, what I'm drinking, and then monitor it constantly. And then a low blood sugar might thwart it all and I can't do it anyway. Exactly. So it's frustrating. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, even with high blood sugars, like for me, not just low blood sugars make me upset or angry or feel frustrated but having high blood sugars like the symptoms of having high blood sugars is just beyond my comprehension like it's Mm -hmm. it's terrible it's the headaches nausea just uh it feels like you're going through like a flu or something with all the symptoms and it's hard if i have a high blood sugar and i want to go do something but i really don't feel good like i feel like i'm gonna throw up or i'm got a bad headache And I'm really like set on doing this certain thing. But my blood sugar is so high that I just know I can't, you know,
1: I know it's frustrating. And the problem with the high blood sugar is that even when it comes down, finally, it's not like you suddenly feel good again. Oh, yeah. It takes its toll. Exactly. It takes a long time for your body to catch up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree.
0: Has having type one diabetes ever made you feel happy or confident in any way?
1: Oh, that is a really tough question. Yeah. Um, you know, I I feel proud if I go to a doctor appointment. Um, like recently I had my eyes checked and the ophthalmologist said that I have no complications in my eyes from diabetes. And that's usually true. that's one of the first things that would be affected. Yeah. And I've had diabetes 21 years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel proud, um, happy, confident. I don't know. What about you?
0: Um. Well, with the eye thing, I I definitely have had a little bit of a toll taken on my eyes due to diabetes. Um, mm-hmm. So I noticed that the past um, like four or five years, I've had a constant change in my prescription of glasses. And uh, at my diabetes doctor meetings, they always say that it's most likely because of my diabetes and I got to get it a little bit more under control. Um, But feeling happy or confident, it's rare. But Mm. um, in some cases, if I'm struggling with it, and I overcome something that has been frustrating me about it for a while, then yeah, I may feel confident or happy that I've overcame that. But I don't think there's really a time that di- having diabetes has made me, like, feel, like, happy or confident just by itself.
1: Yeah, I wish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, um, what are the biggest changes that happened after you were diagnosed? Um, well,
1: I mean... When I was diagnosed, I was going to be starting at a new college at UW-Whitewater in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, um, and, and let me back up a second. I didn't have insurance when I was diagnosed mm-hmm. because I had left school. Yeah. And so I wasn't on my parents' insurance anymore. And so getting diagnosed with a chronic illness with no insurance is a nightmare. <laughs> yes. um, it's really bad. So I had to go to school because once I was enrolled in school again and started, I would be back on their insurance. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted to do was take more time off so that I could adjust to this new way of life.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so I moved back home with my parents. I had been living on my own. Um, and I moved back home with them so that they could help me through it. And that was just a huge change in itself. Yeah. Um and trying to stay positive and while figuring out carb counting and all of that stuff that goes with diabetes, it was it was tough. Lots of changes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember it took a lot of dedication and motivation just to keep on trying to keep up with carb counting and insulin injections and everything that comes with taking <laughs> care of it. It just took so much effort and dedication to... Keep up with it. And I mean, after a while, it gets tiring, you know? It's like you get to the point where you wonder if spending all this time doing it is even worth it, you know? Yes, I remember.
1: Sorry, I cut you off. I remember a nurse in the hospital when I was diagnosed telling me that you can never decide for a day that you don't have diabetes. You can't take the day off from it, that you'll die. Yeah. And that was scary. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I totally get that. Um, but, yeah, the change was, it was drastic.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: And you probably don't remember.
0: Mm-mm, no, I don't. I don't remember. The, the earliest thing I remember is elementary school, like um, kindergarten, like, like K-4, or K-5. I remember dealing with it and having it but I didn't fully understand the whole entirety of my situation. I just understood that I had an illness, that one of my organs wasn't working properly and I needed daily injections in order to stay alive. And as I grew up then, I learned more and more about it and actually in school, um, in middle school, I started taking more um, advanced measurements to learn by myself about what I can do, what it is, what it's like and what exactly it is. And I remember in middle school, fifth grade, I wrote, um, uh, an essay paper actually on diabetes and I learned, uh, an extremely immense amount of information that I didn't previously know about it.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Knowledge is power.
0: Exactly. What are some of the difficult challenges that you faced after being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes?
1: <sighs> um, for me, at first, because of my age, you know, I was 21, I was young, I was, in my mind at the time, I thought I was in the prime of my life, mm-hmm. and um, I had been taking advantage of being 21, so I was you know, going out with friends to club and things like that. And I remember feeling really ashamed at first when I would check my blood sugar in public or take a shot or something like that. I wouldn't go to the bathroom and hide it because I felt like, you know, it's, it's not something I can control. This is part of me. It's yeah. not a character flaw. Why would I hide it? But yeah. then people... We're not, um, you know, I think back then in 1998, people didn't understand it as well as they do now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would have people make comments that, you know, that I was taking drugs, um, or people tell me I'm gross. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was really hard. Yeah. Um, but it, it made me tougher and it made me want to be more of an advocate Mm -hmm. for type one diabetes and stand up for myself and others. Um, So I was able to overcome that. And I think it had a good impact because, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher now. And so I get to work with people like you who also have this. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that there's gotta be some sort of benefit to having a teacher who has the same thing that you do. Um, For sure. You know, I, I benefit from talking with you, Nick. So I think that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And it ended up good in the end. Um, And I think that's really the only way you can think about something like this. You got to find the silver lining.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know that some of the challenges that I've came across, such as other people or kind of hiding the fact, I remember... I used to be ashamed of having diabetes, even though I wasn't the one that could control if I had it or not, you know, Mm -hmm. and I used to be a little ashamed and I would hide it from a lot of other people. I didn't want other people to like, I, I didn't necessarily want them to know, but at the same time, I just was really sensitive about it. You know, like if people would come up and ask me like, what's that? What are you doing? Or something like that. I would usually get teary in my eyes at that age and it was it was hard for me to kind of grasp the words and explain it to the person without, you know, being so emotional. But as I grew up I I learned I kinda of realized that, you know, it's a part of who I am. I, I don't need to hide it. It's it is what it is and I at least I it's something that I can control and I have control over that I can make my own decisions about how to deal with it.
1: I think the, um, I, I love how positive you are about it. I think something that frustrates me about that same topic that you were just talking about is the fact that we, the idea is out there that we have all this control over this disease and sometimes it gets the best of us. Yeah. And so I think that there's some guilt that goes with that. Like, I know if I'm going to eat pizza, I'm going to suffer from it. (laughs) I'm going to have high blood sugar for probably the next eight hours because I ate pizza. Yeah. But, I mean, I love pizza. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, that's that's the thing that you got to be proactive about. Like, certain foods, like pizza, the carbs don't kick in until a certain amount of time after you've already eaten the food. Whereas a lot of other foods, such as like pasta and breads and whatever, the carbs kick in faster than they break down in pizza. And so yes. that's the thing where you have to be proactive about taking the insulin a certain amount of time before you eat. And you have to take the correct amount of insulin for the correct Im- for the amount that you have eaten. Right. You know, And so it's all about being proactive for the most part because if you if you eat first and then you take your insulin the insulin's going to take a few hours to catch up to the carbs and by that time it's too late your blood sugar's already almost you know 600 and you're feeling like crap so yep and
1: then you get the crash from taking too much insulin so yeah yeah, yeah it's a tough situation
0: it, it um, really is
1: i am impressed nick by how you have handled this, you know, because my story is so different from yours in terms of when we were diagnosed. I always thought, I wonder what it would have been like to grow up with it and not know any different. And yeah. you, um, you handle it well. I'm impressed.
0: Thank you, thank you. Um, how do you believe that diabetes has impacted you in good ways and helped you grow as a person? Because I know there there are times that. Diabetes has impacted me in good ways and helped me grow as a person, such as um, like just kind of overcoming it. I mean, like you said, it's kind of a grieving process. I started out where I didn't want to take care of it. I didn't want to admit that I had it. I wanted to pretend like it wasn't there. And as I grew up, I needed to realize that it is at least something I can control and that it is a part of me. And I can't change that as of right now. There's no cure. I have to do my best to take care of it. And I think that diabetes has helped me grow to be more strong and to be I believe that it has actually made me more mature than a lot of other kids that would have been that would have been in middle school at the time.
1: Oh, I'm sure. And more independent. Yeah, for sure. Um for me, You know, I was 21 when I was diagnosed and honestly, I was a different person than I became after diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, I was more reckless. Um, I had different priorities. You know, they weren't really the right priorities. And I feel like it probably came at the right time for me. Um, Mm -hmm. It changed my path. Um, sure. I was going to be an international businesswoman who traveled the world. And I had no idea what that even meant. Mm-hmm. I really, Um, and I ended up changing my major to education because I wanted to be closer to home with my family rather than traveling. Mm-hmm. And um, it just made me look at the world differently. Mm-hmm. And so I think it ended up leading me to being a teacher, which I've been doing for 18 years. And, you know, I think it's the most fulfilling job there is, for me anyway. So it definitely changed me.
0: Yeah, I believe it changed me as well. Um, because I honestly, if I didn't have diabetes, I'm not sure if I'd have the motivation or dedication some days to, you know, go out and like work out and like feel healthy and get it all in under control. I feel like if I didn't have diabetes, I may not be as um cognitive about keep like taking care of myself and like playing all the sports and keeping healthy and staying active if I didn't have diabetes to worry about. I feel like diabetes kind of pushed me to keep on going, to keep on, you know, striving to be healthy and and keep working out and you know, trying to be the best that I could.
1: That's awesome. You could probably teach me some lessons about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was great talking to you about this, Nick. It was
0: great talking to you too. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Of course. All right. Have a good one.
1: Yeah. And Nick, if you need to, um, if you need to cut any of that,
0: Thank you for joining me on this podcast about diabetes and what it's like for people who have it to live with it.